0: And a one and a two and a one, two, three, four. Hello. Welcome to House of Strauss Industry Talk with the great Ryan Glasspiegel of the New York Post. How you doing, Ryan?
1: Um I've I've been I've had more energy in my life. I moved on Saturday. I Congrats. may or may not have um taken stimulants for a few days and I may or may not now still <laughs> be in the withdrawal stage.
0: What are, what are these stimulants? Are you like Don Draper when he gets shot full of speed and he's running around the offices of Sterling Draper Cooper?
1: What what, what was the scene? What were you doing? Um, I I've, so I've been um, I basically for since I don't know freshman or sophomore year of college I've been able to um, get prescriptions for Adderall and I don't take it regularly i just take mm. it when i like really need to be productive superman but i know when i do take it that there's going to be like a back end oh yeah of pain and so i'm hoping that today is the final day of me like really not feeling well on account of being cool. in withdrawal
0: you've got a built-in excuse i mean it
1: is a cognitive
0: steroid there was once a great Slate article written by a guy who is on Adderall. This might have been back when I was in college. And it reveals at the end, after describing all its effects, that the article was written on Adderall. Uh so that's that's when it was new in the consciousness of the American public. But but get this, get this. Uh you're dragging, just a bit. You're maybe feeling a little sleepy, just a bit. Maybe if we talk about the most controversial issue in all of sports. Uh, the type of issue that can get you ousted from your platform or kicked off social media, maybe the adrenaline will kick in. I'm just are we that talking out about
1: there. the end of basketball games again?
0: <laughs> we might be, <laughs> or maybe we're talking about spring training, perhaps, possibly, <laughs> maybe. I mean, I'm just talking about. Look, I I, I try to um, figure out from my market research of having conversations with real people out in the world of what subjects they would like to see covered. And I was out in Tahoe, real America, Tahoe. Not not really. It's kind of a fancy pants place. Um, and a friend of mine was bringing up the, the Leah Thomas situation because over the weekend, I believe Leah Thomas won the 500 and, and set a record. And you said to me that the way ESPN covered it was very curious it was interesting. It stood out. And so I think we could start off the conversation by getting into that, maybe observing some of the dynamics with uh, how ESPN slash Disney is responding to some of these, as we might call them, gender and orientation controversies writ large. Um, and then we can go from there and we can have people, as always, jump in at any time to ask their questions. How's that sound?
1: Uh, let's do it. Okay. So
0: you. Johnny on the spot with the ESPN observation. How did ESPN cover uh, this this very odd event of Thomas uh, winning and
1: setting a record? So there are a few things. The first is they they aired it live on ESPN three, which is, means you you can watch it with like online with a digital. I if if you're like an ESPN cable subscriber, you can watch it online. And so they aired the event and the announcers we're not really like talking about this as though it was weird and controversial. They Mm. were kind of like playing it straight. They were not, um, they, they might like have given like brief allusions to controversy, but they weren't really giving very much credence to it. Um, then I noticed the next day, Ethan, that both like today's show, And ESPN um, covered this in terms of, like, features. And so they, they covered the fact that there were protests and that there was booing in the building. And much to my surprise, they did not really smear the protesters as bigots. They kind of presented the protesters' side. And then presented the other side, which is uh, the pro Leah Thomas camp. And while this is, I think, imbalanced in terms of the sense that they didn't really mention how unpopular the idea of Leah Thomas competing against women is, because I think that if this was put to a vote in America, it might be seventy-five to eighty-five yeah. percent oppose. But it was kind of being presented as a 50-50 thing. But I was still actually pleasantly surprised that they weren't smearing the protesters because I think maybe six months to a year ago, they would have just been going – ad hominem attacks on how these protesters were just, you know, intolerant. And and Trump probably would have gotten involved.
0: And then that's everybody to their battle stations. Right. And it makes it feel like more of a 50 50 issue. I think I think Trump turned the kneeling uh, for the anthem issue into more of a 50 50 issue. Uh, There was a lot of polling before that, that a lot of people didn't like what Kaepernick was doing. But once Trump who certainly has his supporters but is also pretty unpopular as well, once he represented the side against Kaepernick, it became more like a 50-50 issue. So that's probably what would have happened. I think it's, it's irresponsible the way they do cover these issues, that they don't let the majority know it's the majority. It's a bit of a trick, um, and I think that that is unfortunate. But it, it, it's a tricky one. It's interesting. It's interesting. There are dogs that aren't barking, on this issue. One of them, the WNBA, uh, who I noticed jump with both feet towards any social justice issue. Very quiet. <laughs>
1: well, there was, I mean, there was a story on ESPN today in a thread that we'll get to that. They talked about the first like non-binary WNBA player. I,
0: yeah. But looked, I that's... did not
1: click into the story because. Well, that, uh, that, that, of... that one is F.
0: FTM, if I'm not mistaken, I think many in the WNBA do not want the MTF direction, Um, and I think ideologically it's difficult to articulate that out in public. But they they know basic reality, just like everybody knows basic reality, unless they're completely completely crazy. And so it's just interesting to observe that. And I I think this whole issue, there are two ways to look at it because I have friends who say. They say, hey, this issue doesn't matter. This is a distraction. This is on the fringes. Uh, Don't talk about it because it doesn't matter. But the response to that, the retort to that is this. It's okay. So if it's very low stakes, then why are these important American institutions unable to admit reality? And if they can't admit reality on an issue of little importance, then how are we going to trust them on, I don't know, whatever they claim regarding COVID, whatever they claim regarding climate change? I think that's really the bigger issue here. If you cannot understand or articulate an understanding that a five-year-old would have of these issues, um, that males are bigger, faster, and stronger on average than females, especially at the long tail, especially at the top or upper end, and that's why we have a separation, if that's something you can't articulate, um, In the Ivy League, for instance, uh, where we're seeing this take place because Thomas is on an Ivy League team and the NCAA, um, and then the biggest sports media platform can't admit this and talk about this. I, I don't understand how there's going to be any trust. And this is certainly not the only issue, but it's just difficult to, to have trust overall. Yeah, they,
1: they kind of spent like three or four months hoping that it would go away yes. like yes. before they even addressed it at all because – this is kind of a issue starting around Thanksgiving, where you It's, it's a see, bad
0: match. It's a bad matchup.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you started to see like times by Leah Thomas where it's like, okay, she's probably going to win national titles, and if this like continues unabated, and it it a little bit became this muddying of the waters where they talked about, oh, she went through testosterone suppression treatment, like that would make her not six feet tall and have like bigger arms and shoulders and hands <laughs> than everybody. Yeah. She was competing against at which uh last time I checked our advantages in a swimming race. Yeah. And so they
0: only, they was, only went on a granular level describing all of Michael Phelps bodily advantages every Olympics and showing us the charts of the, the larger hands and the, yeah, you continue.
1: So it like, they took a while um they they didn't cover it at all until she was competing for I-League championships and by the way like i've said this before but i want to reiterate i don't really have um uh, the, there, there's two sep there's like a bunch of different separate classifications you can have in this story i really my philosophy on life is that if you're not hurting anybody else then do whatever makes you happy. But I yep. think this crosses the threshold of yeah. unfairly preventing women from competing for something that they've um, fought for their entire lives. So you've got, it's not just like the fact that the second place person should be in first, although um, Ron DeSantis made like a big idea, big deal of that today. But like the, the swimmer who got bumped out of competing in this race at all because of Leah Thomas, she was like in tears and it, you know, as a, you know, hashtag girl, dad,
0: (laughs) you are a girl dad.
1: I, it's really like difficult to square this story with any type of inherent sense of fairness.
0: Yeah. And you know, you will be attacked for a lack of empathy if you take a certain position on this, but where is the empathy for the women competing? Now, it's just interesting watching this play out on the right. I think the uh, conventional conservative opinion is the one that Ron DeSantis has, but there are other people, I guess, on the harder edge of the right who are saying, well, these women reap what they sow. These are our political enemies. The women's sports uh, contingent are people who largely hate us. Why are we wasting capital on them? I've seen well, that that's, argument.
1: It's that's a winning issue for Ron DeSantis and I, Clay I Travis would, and on and on and yeah. on down I, the road because – They're taking a position that, as I said, probably at least three quarters of Americans agree with. And so if you're opposing them, you're getting kind of cornered into a platform that is like dramatically unpopular.
0: Yes, I think that is the case. And I don't think this is I think one of the reasons people are scared to share the real opinion in media We'll take a we'll take a call soon. But one of the reasons people are shared they're, they're afraid to share their opinion uh, isn't just the feeling they'll be bullied, but that they will be bullied by history uh, because people who took the more conservative stand on social issues eventually. Uh, had the highly stigmatized position. Uh, It's certainly true if you were, as most Americans were in 2011, against gay marriage. That is something now a lot of people would want to hide about themselves. But to what you were saying, I don't think this is like gay marriage. Uh, Gay marriage, the main argument is, who is it hurting? Uh, Why prevent somebody from doing something on their own? It's obvious that this is bumping up against other people and it's hurting other people and parents I think are a very engaged voting block and I think there was just a hope that this wouldn't actually run into their preferences and run into their concerns uh you're going to if this continues to spread have more and more pissed off parents uh who want this put a stop to so I think this is a waterloo and there's going to be like
1: physical fun. sports you know like women's hockey or lacrosse yeah. or even basketball, where, like, in the pool, it's one thing. Yeah, like, sorry, you didn't win. But what happens when you're getting, like, your your daughter's getting, like, physically demolished?
0: Yeah, it's like, it's all fun and games. It's all abstract until your daughter is getting elbowed on a corner kick by somebody who is 6'5", 220. And with that, we will take a call from, is it Kausha? Is that the right way to say it? Well, we'll just make him the next caller and find out. I hope I said it approximately correct. Uh, you are on, sir. Can you uh, can you unmute yourself? Unmute. Hello. Hello. Good evening, Ethan. Hey, it's
2: Kusha, and thank you very much for taking a stab at my name. I know it can be. A
0: little... I'm sorry, I've died. I missed it. <laughs> Kusha,
2: nice no, to no, talk to you. Tr- trust me, I, I don't mind at all. It's very it's understandable. My name's not the most common, <laughs> so <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks. For What's up? Me. Um, well, I think if I'm not mistaken, from the sense of it, um, I really. Uh, enjoy that uh, both you and Ryan are uh, delving into this conversation of how there is a certain hesitation for people to take a political stance in the sense that uh, a certainly uh, it's possible that a socially conservative one may not be rem- remembered finally upon by history. Yeah. And I think for me, what my response to that point would be is it depends on who the historians are. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people in history can be whitewashed uh, to serve just about any interest, whether that's big money interests or whether that's right-wing interests, xenophobic interests, whatever you want, but just to use it for their purpose. So like Martin Luther King has been whitewashed by every big uh, politician or corporation. Cyrus the Great by Iranian nationalists, Iranian royalists. Thomas Paine by right-wingers in the United States. Anyone who has an amazing legacy can be whitewashed, similar to the fact that, well, uh, and you can see the opposite in the fact that people who have had Amazing uh, experiences, they can continue to be vilified or ignored in both US history and the world. Um, they can be forgotten, people like mm. Rosenberg, one of the leaders in Germany who was killed by the fascists, like Waldemar Pops, or they can be um, maligned uh, terribly, uh, like the journalist Robert Fisk, uh, the British journalist. And yeah. that's, I think, one important thing I would respond to there. As for the specifics, I think the this case about uh, the recent swimmer, um, and there was one person. She was banned on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if you two knew know her name, the uh, swimmer who was banned on Twitter very recently. No, no, no that he, was uh, a,
1: that was a fake account.
2: That was a
0: fake account? I got I got head faked by that, I I remember because I had somebody send it to me and then it turned out to be a fake account. Oh, okay.
2: Thanks for letting me. But but the
0: Babylon B, if I'm not mistaken, the right. Yeah, and Charlie Kirk, like they're
1: they're they're getting banned for for
2: calling trans women men.
0: Yeah. That that is is banned.
2: Oh, thank you so much for for uh, informing me on that. Because yes, that's what I've been seeing going around on Twitter. So that's an important um, matter for me to know. And yeah, then so Ted right, Cruz like,
1: fell for it too, and I was going to write it up, and then all of a sudden he deleted the tweet, and I like went into a rabbit hole of like actually getting to the bottom. This of is it. this is why I
0: don't tweet. You can't lose if you don't play uh, the game true. of responding to the thing that's happening. Uh, on it's Twitter. better
2: just to, <laughs> yeah. to let the information settle in first, let the dust <laughs> clear, and then make your comment. Uh, especially like that's why I like to comment more so on history because yeah. much of it's already been established. Cool. It, it's <laughs> already,
0: To to, to what you're saying, and this might be a slight digression, I don't know, but I do think that our sense of history, contemporary history is incorrect, that we look at it as a progression, uh, because obviously, we hold views that are uh, more in line with equality now than certainly 100 years ago, 200 years ago. And so it's just this assumption that it's it's just going one direction. It's really interesting to go back and actually read some of the history of the 60s and 70s, though, because in some ways, if you were to read from a liberal historian, uh, Richard Perlstein, Nixon Land, or from a conservative historian, uh, Christopher Caldwell, Age of Entitlement, In some ways, the 60s and the 70s were more, quote-unquote, woke than right now, because back then, they were puffed up on a lot of idealism, and nothing had gone wrong, really. And the U.S. is just coming off of these massive victories, and it's the envy of the world. And it won World War II, and they thought they were going to make everybody equal. If you go back and you read uh, Lyndon B. Johnson's address at Howard, his commencement, uh, he's talking in a way that is probably to the left of anybody uh, in politics at the presidential level on race. So I, I think that we sometimes don't have an accurate view of how these things have gone. And this sort of message that it only goes one direction is, is not completely accurate. Digression. I, I apologize. No,
2: no that, that was, that was very welcome. I really enjoyed that. Thank you so much for that comparison. I think, one Of the things I don't know, have you seen this before? It was on Rising um, by the Hill. There's a journalist Ryan Grimm. He mm-hmm. had, did you see his um, video? It was published December 28th, 2021. It has over 186,000 views. It's about a trans right memo that uh, warns uh, the movement's badly moving. Yeah, yeah,
0: this, yeah, I remember that. It, it, it's saying, um, it's from some sort of lobbying group or activist group that says that. The sports issue is the one they cannot get any movement on, I remember. That no matter what, no matter what messaging they try, no matter what argument they make, they cannot move people. And they're sounding the alarm internally on it. And I think that's one of the reasons why this issue is coming to the fore, especially, especially this week in a variety of ways. Um, it doesn't seem... Like it's like I said, I think it's a Waterloo. I might be wrong, but I think that this is the thing that is not going to be digested, and it's going to be fascinating to see it all play out. But we should, well, start it's going to be
1: out. the this is as we said before, um, this is going to come to a head when it's like you know, Naomi Osaka getting crushed or yeah. in the WNBA or something where there's a lot of money at stake because yeah. it's one thing when it's like an abstract accomplishment in terms of like, you know, being the national champion. It's another thing when the difference between first and second is millions of dollars. Well, I I was debating this. This
0: actually got introduced at, when I was hanging with friends uh, over the weekend of, are we going to see this in the WNBA? Now, my friend, He's more of the liberal bent, and I think he I would put him more in the camp of pretending this issue away as it rises to the top and it just keeps on going. But he said, I don't think it will happen in the WNBA because the WNBA is a team sport, so uh, you've got to work with your teammates. And if you're just upsetting the apple cart like this to this degree, there's more of a disincentive versus these individual sports where there isn't a lot of connection uh, between the competitors. Maybe, but at this point, I just view it the way I think the rapper Boosie, Boosie badass was saying that if there's money, it's going to happen and there's money, so it's probably going to happen right there's a, there's a, there's, r- a,
1: there's an enormous financial incentive
0: yeah, yeah, so uh Kusha, thanks so much for the uh the questions and the thoughts, but we've we've got the queue filling up, so we got to got take some time. callers I uh, thanks it. man thanks let's go time. with let's go with Ysarian. Always a great caller. Yasserian.
3: Yasserian, How you doing? Hey Ethan. Hey Ryan. Thanks. Hi. Uh thanks as always for taking my call. Really appreciate it. Um yeah, the Leah Thomas. I got a couple of comments on the Leah Thomas thing and then and then something else I wanted to get off my chest. So uh I I, I at this point I'm starting to feel bad for Leah. I mean, I've mm. said this before, I'll say it again. Like she's a human being. She's she deserves compassion and and respect. I feel, I feel bad for
0: anybody in the public eye, I, I will say, you know, I I know I'm interrupting you, but it's the the Internet is a proportionality problem. And sometimes somebody who deserves a little bit of shit is going to get buried under a mountain of it. And so, yes, continue.
3: Yeah, sort of in the same way. I mean, obviously, these cases are very, very different, but I felt bad for Kyle Rittenhouse sort of for similar reasons. And, I, you know, without drawing direct. Comparisons between the two of them and and, and their actions, but a similar. The, the good thing. thing is that neither of them seem to feel sorry for themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that is that is true, and that that actually gets me to one of the points I wanted to make on on Leah, which is like I was listening to to Mike Pesca's um, podcast, and he touched on this, and I I you know I have a lot of respect for Pesca; he's a very smart, thoughtful guy. And he sort of went through everything. And I th- he made some good points that I hadn't considered, like that famous picture that's been floating around of the three finishers taking a picture on the side of the podium away from Leah and how that was being spun by the right as this, like, they're they're deliberately shunning her when apparently they were Olympic teammates. And so it was sort of like, you know, there was a reason for them to do that. that wasn't shunning, and I wasn't aware of that. And so I was like, oh, that's good to know. But at the end, he said something that sort of troubled me when he was like, and, and Leah hasn't done anything wrong. Mm. And it was like... I I don't know. I don't know about that, Mike. I mean, just because she's adhering to the rules, and this is what I think so many of the problems that we're seeing in our society today is we've just become so legalistic. And so if it's something that's not explicitly against the rules, then it's okay. Like, how many liberals would say that about what Mitch McConnell did with Merrick Garland, right? There was nothing Mm -hmm. in the Constitution that prevented McConnell from doing what he did. It wasn't technically, quote-unquote, against the rules. It just violated norms of comedy and what had been done before in such a way that, you know, I, I, as someone who still considers himself a liberal, I was flamingly pissed off at McConnell. I can't stand that guy. But it was like, no, he could do it. So he did it. So to me, it's it's sort of a similar thing. Leah can do it. The NCAA is saying she can do it. So she does. But anybody with a brain and she's she's at the freaking she's at Penn She's an Ivy League swimmer. She's an Ivy League student. Like, yeah denying the obvious. So that's one well, point I want to you're, make. You're, it's
0: a very interesting point you just brought to the fore because it seems as though ethics is not part of the conversation, that it is obviously political fodder, obviously culture war, although... To what you're saying, culture war, I've noticed in media, it's when it's stuff they don't like, it's culture war. When it's just the opinions everybody shares on these issues, then it's just common sense. But uh, the ethical component, how one makes a decision that is going to adversely impact other people in this way, when before swimming on the men's team, nobody was impacted adversely, other than, I guess, specifically the people that you beat, although Thomas was not ranked high, so i I don't know. Uh, putting it in the ethical realm is something that we haven't seen, and I guess that's another dog that hasn't that hasn't barked. That's an interesting
1: point to raise. So, uh, yeah, yeah. You got I anything? guess the only, the only person who knows Leah Thomas's intentions is Leah Thomas. So, just comes that amounts to a guessing game of what she's thinking in all this.
4: Yeah, yeah. I
0: don't even know. I mean, this it's got to be a a crazy situation although some people some people do like the attention you know some people at least seek out the attention that does that does happen so um yeah, there well, was
3: one of the write-ups where it was said that she was she mm-hmm. viewed herself as you know jackie robinson of transports or whatever. nbc
1: like, news uh, views her as that too
3: well that get yeah and that gets me to my second point on leah that that I read, I can't remember if it was a Twitter thread or what. I mean, there's so much noise about this subject, but it was like, you know, one of the talking points has been that she went from being like the 400 something ranked swimmer, male swimmer to the number one ranked female swimmer. And somebody who was taking exception to that said, actually, when she was swimming with the men before the hormone replacement therapy, the HRT, she was much more highly ranked. It was only after she started HRT that she dropped to 460th or whatever it was. And I was I like, she's like second understand... team Ivy
1: League or something as a male. So it's like it wasn't a scrub or anything. And I, uh, just to be a D1
3: swimmer is. Well, yeah, but I mean, that, it's worse than that because that you're blowing up your whole point. You're saying she went through HRT. And let's say for the sake of argument that it dropped her from being a top 10, just for sake of argument, a top 10 yeah. male swimmer to a 460th ranked female swimmer. Right. That's what that's the effect of the HRT. She then moves over to the female side, and even though HRT dropped her that much on the male side, she's still mm-hmm. the number one swimmer on the female side. Like, what yeah. you're basically well, pointing out is that the HRT is not nearly It's enough. not enough.
0: Yeah, it it doesn't shrink your hands. It doesn't shrink your shoulder blades. It's, yeah, it's a lifetime, a lifetime of key. Not that I'm exactly some sort of he-man pulsating stadium with testosterone, but a lifetime of it confers some advantages, yeah. uh, certainly. So, yeah, yeah so, I think those are all very good, all very good points.
3: Yeah, and then just just real quick, my last thing that I wanted to get off my chest is last time I called, uh, and Yu Yang, who's now following me on, on this time, he followed me last time I called in. Mm. And uh I just want to take a couple exceptions to what he said. First of all, he sort of <laughs> downplayed his own status as a caller and, and you Yang, I think you're a great caller. You shouldn't great caller. Uh, you shouldn't downplay your contributions to to the to the show like this. So <laughs> but um I did want to say, and this pivots off something that I heard I found out today, that baseball is apparently doing the the runner on second to start extra innings thing, which just it just <laughs> it just makes me crazy it's going to give me an aneurysm it's and so what I gimmicky want... i kind of yeah, like it, it just is. it's so fucking gimmicky and it's like and so what i wanted to say to him is he made a good point about this sort of like you know this 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 theory of, of baseball has been sort of this perpetual decline since the 1920s i don't i don't doubt that that's that's true in one one extent or another but Obviously, the powers that be in baseball think that that's happening to such a degree that they're monkeying with some of the fundamental aspects of yeah. how the game is played. Yeah, and that's so even if it's not true that it's in, in decline, the people that that are running things think that's the case. And that's what it looks like from the outside. And yeah, they're they're going making... to get
0: faked into really screwing it up on well, the basis just... of feeling like they have an existential problem.
3: Yeah, I mean, between that, and, honestly, that and the and the the designated hitter in in, in the Na- the National League, and I'm just like, it's totally turning me off. I've been a baseball fan since I was you know eight years that, old. That
0: said, wouldn't it be cool if the offensive team had, let's say, a safety wearing a helmet in the outfield who would then hit the outfielders as they tried to catch the ball? I'm just pitballing <laughs> here.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, Maybe
3: tackle them. I'm just throwing a, I'm throwing things out there. I'm looking at what works. I'm trying to apply it. That's all. I, we should just turn it into Calvin Ball and be done with it. But ah, anyway, nice. <laughs> I, I really appreciate the time, guys. Thanks. Of course. Have Thanks so much, Yassirian.
0: Let's get Yang on here.
5: Or Guy. Hey, 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 hey. Thanks, Yassirian. Thanks for the shout out. Uh, I, I appreciate it. Um, and of course, hello, Ethan. You know, hello, uh, uh, hello Ryan. Hello. Uh,
0: I, I can yeah. be, Ryan and I can be secondary. It's okay. <laughs> what, you, what you got for us?
5: Well, well, you know, uh, Will real I gotta agree with him. I absolutely hate the Ghost Runner and uh, I, I can't stand it. And I, I absolutely hate the DH, so it's like uh, uh, the Ghost Runner is way worse than the DH. But, the, uh, anyways, let me get to my question. Let me get the question.
0: Yeah, it's got a um, cooler so, name, but your y- question, go ahead.
5: Yeah, yeah, baseball is like Blurn's ball now, like Futurama, <laughs> and to watched that. <laughs> it's great reference, but, um, but okay, so here's my question, okay, so. Uh, A couple weeks back, somehow you guys started talking about, like, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And you guys started talking about the face. I don't know if you guys used the word face. And then I think Ryan is saying how he doesn't know how to judge if a a man is handsome or not. I agree with Ryan.
0: I I call bullshit on both of you, but (laughs) respectfully, respectfully.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Has anyone ever had the debate on if Jordan's better than LeBron? (laughs) 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 I mean... I'm
0: just picturing Steven. Do
1: you mean to tell me that LeBron
5: James is better looking? <laughs> Sorry, continue. Well, Sorry, I'm going to take a definitive statement here. Okay, so I, I had this observation: like Michael Jordan's face is, is, is way better than, than LeBron's. Okay, but I want to add one more character into this debate. So it'll kind of make make it'll make the uh, the the mm-hmm. time debate um, more fun. So, let's bring, one more let's, bring, let's bring one more person to this, okay? Let's bring Kobe Bryant's face into it, okay? So, if I, if I had to rank faces, if I had to rank faces, I would go, Jordan, uh, I want to
0: see Stephen A. and Mad Dog do this
5: tomorrow. Yes, we continue. yes, a yes, 100%, 100%. And Mad Dog would do a great job because he's so passionate, right? So, I will go, Jordan's face is number one, Kobe's face is number two, and then LeBron's face is number three. And then if you look at the popularity That's the rank. Jordan is the most popular. Kobe is the second most popular. And LeBron is the third most popular, even though LeBron is a way better player than Kobe. LeBron does more things, you know, outside of basketball, whether you agree or not. You know, he always talks about schools and all the other things. And also, yeah.
0: Good-looking privilege is real. It's real. And nobody (laughs) wants to admit to it, especially a sport that's followed mostly by heterosexual men. Don't they don't necessarily want to uh, admit that that's a factor in how certain celebrities and stars are worshipped? But I think it's very difficult. I don't know if it's possible to be a hideously ugly superstar who moves units, uh, who sells right. who sells tickets. I don't know if we've seen it. Oh, Larry Bird. Boom, got
1: it. <laughs> yeah, got one.
5: You know, you know the thing about Bird.
1: Though, that was is, before uh, HD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know the thing about
4: Bird, though, even
5: though. He he, kind of. You might think he's he's kind of like ugly guy, and he kind of he kind of is, but he just has like so much charisma about him that it kind of yeah, like it's cocky. It, 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 it's cocky and but and his attitude and and yeah, the something about his face that that it's so perfect for being Larry Bird. And and anyways, that's just my kind of stupid comment and question and because because I would notice like like for me, I'm a really big Kobe hater. Like I really hate Kobe Bryant. I don't mm-hmm. really hate LeBron that much. I, I absolutely hate Kobe though. And like you know, Lacobi not only was his, was he a super selfish player for his whole career, which I detested, but he's also you know he has he has a bad tra- uh, he, he has a bad track, record, track track record of the woman. You know, he got accused of that woman mm. in Colorado. I'm not saying he's a rapist. I don't yeah. know what happened, right? But it's been he basically that- admitted it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: When when he but, when uh, he apologized, he basically. Um, like, that that's um, kind of been, like, lost in history. Yeah. Um, like, I, I think he at least admitted that she was of the opinion that she didn't consent to yeah, that. Yeah,
0: the statement, I mean, we have to be careful here, but the statement, actually, we don't have to be careful here. I don't have a boss, but uh, the statement was something like they disagreed on the interpretation or he, he, he had done something that she, I, I mean, we can find it, we can look for it, but it does seem like they had perhaps what began as something consensual that definitely uh, didn't end that way. Is that the most delicate way to put it? I don't. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the less I say extemporaneously about that, probably the better. But yeah, you were saying, Yang.
5: You know what? No, that's my final point. I, I should get going because I know that's a huge line. But my whole thing with Kobe is that it's not just her that, that kind of came out. And, you know, who knows? Maybe she was a gold digger. She wanted some money out of it, right? Who knows? I don't want like, to throw dirt at her, right? I don't know anything about the situation. But it's also the fact that Kobe Bryant's famous for, like, like, sleeping with, like, hundreds of women after he married his wife. Like, look, I know, like, I'm sure LeBron has his side chicks too. But it's not, like, so public that it's, like, it's well known that how much he cheats on his wife. Or, you know, this is baby mm. mama. You know, so anyway. I'm biting my, I'm I'm biting sure. my tongue so, yeah, my tongue so uh, hard that uh, it's bleeding. It's,
6: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> I'm biting my tongue so hard that it's bleeding right now. But thank you, Yang. Uh, let's
7: put up uh, Win. Make Win the next caller. Uh, <laughs> Ethan, uh, Ryan. Ethan Ryan, thanks so much for doing this. Of um, course. So I, I'm going to go back to the Leah Thomas thing because – What I sense is a problem, and I think you guys have both brought it up. Ethan, you were mentioning a thing about ethics. Um, There's there's no sort of guiding first-order principles, um, sort of driving what – the sort of advocacy that we're supposed to believe in. And here's what I was going to say. It's hard for me to understand how – on one hand, I can both be a like a a really ardent supporter of promoting female sports, right, and elevating it and recognizing it and 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 and, 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 and you know celebrating the achievements of women, right, in, in, in a sports dynamic where we all know, right, like men are going to be better at it, and then simultaneously allow something like this to happen and be okay with that. I mean, how are you supposed it's to look at a father it's of a, of a d- double parent? Pink. Exactly yeah. right, and so in totality, when you see all of these different positions that are taken up every other month, right, that are so, when you look at them, you know individually, maybe it makes sense, but in totality, they're completely incoherent. They're incompatible, and so that's kind of my point. And then and the question I want to ask you about the Waterloo moment about it, because I. You know, Cause I think there's so many Waterloo moments, but I don't really know how, how, how do you guys think that would like manifest itself? Right. Great question. Um, that's the, that's because do you have to have another young kin sort of thing? Do you have to wait till like, midterms for yeah. people to be like, Oh, oh, well, it's okay now to talk about how completely like,
6: yeah. you know, you
7: know, unfair this is to people and like how this is not going to work. So I'll, I'll, I'll hear what you guys. Think. Yeah. No, the, 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 both great points, and I know Ryan has some thoughts
0: on it as far as the political component, but the first thing I'll bring up to what you're saying, it, it's difficult to know what the Waterloo will be because politics doesn't determine everything. Uh, sometimes a lot of people vote for something and it really doesn't matter, and enough <laughs> people in positions of power and influence are just going to drive the culture and the norms and the direction it goes. Uh, Ryan and I were talking about how uh, people are banned from Twitter for referring to Rachel Levine and the Biden administration or Thomas as a man. That might be a majoritarian position and you are not allowed on social media to say it. So clearly it just seems like it might not matter so much whatever the public overall thinks as far as what the ground rules are and what you're allowed to say. That being said, I do think a red tsunami is coming in the twenty twenty two midterms and uh ryan, I think you you would agree with that, and I'm wondering if you have any other thoughts on it
1: yeah, I mean maybe it will just change legislatively if they have an enormous advantage in um in in the in congress well i mean I guess Biden would have to sign something like that into law. So then they would need like to make it veto proof. But I think that they'll read the cues
0: from it because when mentioned Youngkin, after Youngkin won, you saw it was the beginning of the end for the mandates and the harsh mandates, because it seemed clear that that was a big factor and that parents even if they weren't the most visible members of society, and even if they weren't exactly representable on Twitter, uh, had had enough of the forcible masking on on their kids in school and felt like they should have that right and they should have that choice. And so you saw the politics changing on that one. And I do think something similar is likely going to happen in 2022. Uh, Within a year, you saw a 14-point shift in party affiliation from Democrat too Republican. Um, Now, obviously, there are are corrections in midterms, the party that wins the presidency tends to lose the midterms. I just think if it's big enough, it's going to be a shock to the system. And there's going to be a reversal on some of these uh, on some of these cultural issues where it seems like uh, the activist set has gotten ahead of their skis. But I'm not I'm not sure, you know, maybe it never ends. There was that article in in, uh, Common Sense about how the entire legal profession, it seems to be just marching in one direction. I think it's going to just lead to um, greater instability in the system and a standoff. And the question you're asking is probably a good introduction to perhaps our discussion of uh, ESPN versus Ron DeSantis. Yeah, Ron DeSantis. well, Ethan,
7: you, you I mean, it's so funny you just said that. So I'm, a, I'm a law student at Georgetown, so I, I read the Common Sense article. And I, I, yeah. I mean, I completely agree 100 percent, and I could have a whole other conversation on that. The reason why I think, though, is that. When you say the thing about the Waterloo moment, is there are certain interest groups that you know, uh, kind of liberal elites are purportedly so so concerned about that are moving to the right. I mean, you could look at you know in the 2020 election when you look at Hispanic Americans, you know, 30 points to Donald Trump, 30 points. I mean, that is absurd. That is. That, so I guess to your point about the Waterloo moment, it's it's sometimes frustrating to me that you have to wait until an election for people to be like, okay, now I have permission to say things that are so obviously are so obviously like messed up. But it's because yeah, you're right. You're going to get banned on Twitter for trying to bring it up, or you end up like you know Barry Weiss or something like that. Like you don't you should you should be able to have nuanced opinions about yeah. things, but you can't do that. You can't Ooh. do that in, in all these places.
0: No and I I often wonder too with because I get some pushback from peers and whatnot obviously and that's fine and it comes with the territory I never know if what they're angry about is what I'm saying or the fact that I'm saying it, it it's something that's difficult for me to disentangle I often suspect it's the latter where it's It's dis- a
7: la- it's a ladder I'll hang up it's a ladder it's the ladder <laughs> because it's because it's downstream it's like second order consequences of other things that people can't they can't talk about yeah, right? well, it's, because but it's of-
0: this. I, I think there's a resentment that creeps in too. It's interesting where people feel like they can't say something and they almost resent you, like you think you're better than them because you're just gonna say it anyway and not care. And I think there's some of that. There's some of don't rock the boat. There's some of it'll help get Trump elected. Uh, there's a whole lot of psychology going into the weird groupthink on these on these issues. So it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what Waterloo means. I think Waterloo in the sense <laughs> that they're going to have to pull back from this one. And this is not going to, this is not the reality is going to be a problem here. I
1: guess that's what I'm it saying. Just, it's so it's, you know, it, it's the kid saying the emperor has no clothes.
0: Mm. That goddamn kid. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I, I
0: said that if we had that parable today, um, The way it would be dealt with with a lot of people in media would be to point at the kid and go, oh, so you're one of those emperors have no clothes guys and then not actually pick up the conversation and just stigmatize the fact that somebody's questioning things. Um, that seems to be the way <laughs> it's often dealt with It's just stigmatizing and shunning content free not addressing what you're saying instead dismissing it with this idea that oh are you just asking questions are you just one of these people's just asking questions oh are you you talking about cancel culture i mean that's the way it's dealt with in uh, our oh so serious media and now i apologize because i'm distracting us all from the issues at hand and uh, going into my own grievances on my colleagues <laughs> So anyway, Ryan, I guess we will we will uh, briefly touch on uh, the odd uh, ESPN kind of reentering the political arena uh, and sort of ESPN versus DeSantis. And then we can take we can take some remaining questions and wrap this sucker up. So uh, we got to do the Cuban stuff, too. But yeah. OK, we can maybe touch on the Cuban stuff. Yeah, that's another that that's another uh, fascinating, fascinating clusterfuck over there. And uh, I was sent this by one of our listeners slash subscribers. I don't know if he wants to be named, so I'll, I'll keep it secret. But it was ESPN Today tweeting, seemingly out of nowhere, Ryan, ESPN believes in inclusivity and denounces legislation and actions across the United States that infringe on any human rights. We stand with our LGBTQIA colleagues, friends families and fans and then they do a thread where they continue uh, in this vein I'm not going to read the entirety of the thread they uh, reference an article uh, by Katie Barnes on transgender kids um, and they reference as you mentioned the story on I believe the WNBA player who had a mastectomy uh, going uh, changing changing gender and just this thread and it theoretically I suppose is in response in part to this legislation in Florida, advanced by their governor Ron DeSantis, and uh, it has been stigmatized uh, as the "Don't Say Gay" bill from the liberal perspective. Uh, I don't believe that is the actual name of the legislation. I think the the idea behind it is uh, don't talk about sexual issues with uh, with smaller children. I think with any with any state legislation, it's it's often murky to me, where there is what one side says the law is, there's what the other side says the law is, then there's the actual law when you read it, and then there's the question of, will this even be enforced? And then there's the question of, will edge cases be enforced, right? Because I think what people are raising as an issue is, will some teacher be fired because he mentions that one of the kids in class has two dads or whatever, Um, but It's odd that ESPN, uh, I I believe during the women's uh, college basketball tournament, uh, kind of uh, there was a statement against this. And I think L, is it L. Duncan? Is that that how to say? Yeah. Yeah. spoke out against this. Very content free, I would add, where it's very much signaling in this sort of sense of uh, you're bad and the bad people are for this. But there's not much explanation of what the bill actually does. Why do you think this is happening, Ryan? It's it's very odd to me to see this.
1: Okay, so there's a um, lengthy explanation of why it's happening, which doesn't necessarily explain why they feel the way they do, but in terms of like why it's manifesting in this public way, CNBC wrote a story a few days ago about... This underlying conflict between Bob Iger, Disney CEO, and Bob Chapek, who is his successor and is the current CEO. And so um, these two, as, um, you know, mentor protégés tend to do, as you've written about a a number of times, they had a falling out when it was. I love that theme. I love that uh, theme. it it was there was a falling out when there was a transfer of power and specifics of it i won't go into like you know disney game of thrones too much but Iger i think saw the pandemic coming just based on the fact that disney's a global business and so he saw what was happening in asia and put two and two together that the company was just about to get hit by a tidal wave and so like a month before COVID hit America, but like while it was like percolating in China, maybe it's even less than a month, he just said, I'm stepping away as CEO. So this is like maybe February twenty twenty. And then in March twenty twenty, you know, Rudy Gobert, yada yada yada, the whole country is shut down and the stock market gets bludgeoned. Disney stock is, I don't know, halved, maybe worse. And then he comes riding back and is like, I'm going to like save mm. the company. I can't give it up. And at times like this, and Bob Chappick is sitting there being like, no, I'm in charge now. I didn't ask for this. I didn't need mm. to be our white knight. And so everything since then has been a little bit of like a passive, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive battle between the two of them about how to run the company. Um, Chapic, I guess, ultimately outlasted Iger in this battle, but um, it seems that in the story that a number of Disney employees were um, aghast that Chapik and Disney were not coming out more forcefully against this DeSantis bill, and were starting to, like, lobby Iger about, like, hey, this isn't our Disney. What's going on? And now it's swung hard in the opposite direction because, I mean, one would suspect traffic um, was like afraid of losing the locker room, so to speak. Mm,
0: mm, yeah. Well, this is such a big component in answering these interesting questions right now because one one conclusion that you will draw from how corporations are acting is that they don't give a shit about offending red state Americans. They really don't, it seems. Uh, Maybe a few companies do, but by and large, they don't. Did you see,
1: sorry to interrupt, did you see this Daily Wire razors thing?
0: Well, I did see that. I did see that, where it was uh, the message, like the classic kind of uh, funny Harry's Razors ad, but it was a don't buy from corporations that hate you, uh, that sort of message. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think it's interesting because for the most part, ESPN, I think, has lost uh, conservative viewership. But they also have a a monopoly on uh, TV sports rights. So where are you going to go if you like sports? I mean, very few people, because of their principles, are going to say, I'm avoiding sports because you offended me, uh, if they're big sports fans. Um, But the reason, the main reason I think these companies are terrified of uh, of offending liberal sensibilities and totally dismissive of the conservative sensibilities, I think, is that critical mass of people within an organization who will stage a walkout and create trouble. And the people who run these companies live in fear of those people. And those people, for whatever reason, aren't going to be conservative. I saw this letter put out by social conservatives at Disney, uh, but to my knowledge, it was an anonymous letter. And they make their case, they make their point. I don't think that they inspire fear. And even if they did do a walkout, even if they did make themselves known, obviously the media would not be uh, behind them signal boosting what they were doing. So I think the internal component is a big explainer of why they take uh, socially liberal i.e woke positions outwardly even if it might hurt them business-wise
1: and it, it's unclear that it does hurt them business-wise because to your point they have like if you are a sports fan you need espn for live rights you can avoid the first take or L. Duncan Sports Center until the cows come home, it won't really impact their business unless you withhold your viewership from SEC football, which they have all the games of. And so yes. it, what what can you really do? Like if you're in Alabama, they have your Nick Saban crack. Like it's nothing mm-hmm. you can do about it. Um and you know, Disney World is sold out for the foreseeable future. People just crave any type of experience right now. And there's not red world that could come along and compete with it in the next 40 years. And so it just isn't um, something like they, they've got a moat. And- they do. I, I I
0: guess I would say to express one issue with this, that is unrelated from the issue of, does this hurt these companies that that do this? because I just don't see this brought up very often. Um, you know, in this case, it's kind of whatever. ESPN makes its statement. But they really, um, uh, they really went after the um, bathroom bill in North Carolina in 2017, uh, various organizations, most famously the NBA, because, hey, as we all know, Uh, nothing, nothing more obsessed over in the NBA locker room than trans rights. Uh, that is the main thing uh, that I would always hear when I was in NBA locker rooms. Obviously, uh, the sarcasm is coming through. Um, but they, you know, basically threatened the state of North Carolina uh, that they were going to withhold their business. And I think other sports institutions did as well. Now, I think none of my peers have any issue with that. And I want to be clear about the bill, similar to the Florida bill, murky state legislation. It seems like nobody can ever give you a one sentence explanation of what the bill does. But okay, Um, okay. so they put this economic pressure on the state to change their laws. I don't think that's I don't think that's representative democracy. I don't think that is. That is the idea of what we're doing here. You know, I, I get if somebody wants to speak out, if they're a celebrity and they say this is bad, this is wrong, uh, change the bill, the bill should be changed. But if you're having major corporations look at the will of the people and say we're going to economically punish you as people for voting for this and punish your state unless you give in to us. I don't think that's the most stable system. So when I see it bleeding over into that, um, I just found it to be maybe not the greatest of directions and also just completely unquestioned as it was happening. And also revealing of how, as we're saying, uh, the NBA and these other organizations will put their finger in the eye of Red State Bubba but never dare, I don't know, offend the Chinese government. But
1: anyway. Yeah, where where's Disney on... Um... And where's the Disney employees on the Uyghurs? Because they thanked <laughs> like the Xinjiang like regional, like oppressive government in the Mulan credits. Why wasn't there like threat of a walkout over that?
0: No, they're busy LARPing uh they're busy LARPing the nineteen sixties and pretending that we live in an era that we don't live in, um, in order to uh steal valor from past generations that actually had Real obstacles. Uh, That is my perhaps too glib assessment of what's happening. And they're not going to, you know, look at uh, vicious injustice and slavery as an issue that they have any influence over. And with that.
1: Also, like ESPN tweeting and like about anti Ron DeSantis is going to have like as much impact on him as corporations tweeting about Vladimir Putin.
0: Yeah, well, you wonder if right there there's a sense of this guy is a threat and he must be dealt with, um, and maybe that's informing it. But
1: they're making him stronger by taking an unpopular view in opposition of him.
0: Yeah, well, I'm just amazed. Not everything that happens is rational when it comes to politics. I mean, I see uh, the aforementioned Stan Van Gundy donating full freight to DeSantis' opponent, and I think to myself— Bro, the D DC, Triple C pulled out of that race. Uh, the Democratic Party is is wave the white flag. <laughs> like, I mean, I guess that's that, that's having money. I mean, that's how you know you have money, I suppose, when you give uh, money to a completely doomed opponent. Um, but yeah, maybe there's not something rational there. Maybe there's some concern. I personally think that Desantis would have a far better chance in the general election than Trump would. Um, but you're right. They're probably elevating DeSantis by picking battles with him and making him at the center of the culture war and making Trump more of an afterthought.
1: The um, Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with DeSantis versus Trump, if that's what it came down to, but I don't see any Democrat who could connect with normal people in america like desantis is
0: able to yeah nobody who's waiting in the wings anyway um let's take a question from nick make nick the next caller it's interesting observing politics in the bay area it's like everything's outside
6: of it uh, as far as what's contested nick what's up hey guys yeah just to um uh add another really uplifting topic yes to tonight um this Deshaun Watson thing, I feel like we're kind of closer to the beginning of it from a being some kind of a powder keg than a than the end of it, I mm. think. And um, like I I, uh, I mean, it, there's obviously a lot of storylines involved Saddle and story. uh, rather than like rehash all of them, like I, the thing that I I initially did feel a lot of revulsion towards the Browns when they did that ridiculous contract thing mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I guess just for the spark notes versions, they not only gave up this like gave up like a, a haul that was probably what he would have gotten had the twenty two charges uh or suit civil suits not come out um but they also like gave him, like structured the contract in a way that it, even if he gets suspended for the season it's not going to hit him that hard and it's like, yeah but
1: the 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 NFL has they, they did this, but Roger Goodell has, like, absolute power to undo it. He can do whatever he wants. Like, they can take away his signing bonus, too. And yeah. the Players Association would be powerless to stop it.
6: Well, and, and it's the kind of thing, like, I, I mean, I, like I said, I felt this revulsion at first. And then the thing I started thinking is, one, like, I'm pretty sure the teams who didn't try to trade for him didn't do it for moral reasons. Mm. Uh, and I also thought like i 'm like a pretty serious daily fantasy player, like mm. uh, and I, and I thought to myself before I went to bed last night like am i like there's almost certainly going to be a situation in the future where <laughs> it will be uh, and I, where it will be like one like financially a bad idea for me to not hope he has a good game, and <sighs> and I know it 's like fucked up to say, but like that. Then I started thinking like, what is the actual considering like how many fucking lawsuits there are. Yeah. I I just like I genuinely don't know what the appropriate way forward is. Well like, I'm curious
0: I'm I would be curious to know uh his representation's interpretation of events. And I, I had a cursory glance of it. it obviously that's a lot of uh, accusations but he didn't get indicted so there must be some sort of theory of the case as to why right and i i i don't know at this point i'm not completely invested in football i started poking around this particular this particular issue and then other things you know overtook it but i i want a dispassionate because this is the contrarian speaking i do want a dispassionate explanation from somebody in media at least what the theory of the case is from his side of things, if he's not going to jail and not getting successfully sued in some instances. And it's probably a
1: little bit like um, this is tough to talk about, but a little bit like Kobe where he's so used to having Mm. consent and like having um, women be like, so attracted and throwing themselves at him that it just didn't enter his brain that what he was doing was like inappropriate.
0: I'm yeah, I mean, I'm curious on the legal front of just how that all gets uh, gets argued because it was surprising to me. I mean, I just somebody again, cursory glance at this understand go, okay. there are over 20 accusations. This guy is just completely he's they got him dead to rights. And then when it comes out that he's not going to be indicted, the answer from so many in media was just ideological. It was like, well, this is our society and this is how our society treats women and how our society treats men. And I remember looking at it going, "Okay, but I just want I just want an explanation other than that. That's a very broad sort of theory. But what was the uh, and hey, it could be true, right? It could be true. But that's not what the judge is saying. That's not what the lawyer is saying. The lawyer isn't going, Your Honor, he's a man, and they're women. (laughs) What more do I need to say? (laughs) Like that's not what's happening. So I'm just, I'm curious about the counter argument. I guess is what I'm saying.
6: I I think the like, and I could like I've tried to read as much as I can about it because I have wanted to find a non, like basically see the what's actually happening type thing. My kind of guess is that there it's a lot of things it's not like a darren sharper situation
0: yeah uh, that guy is just an obvious like rapist yeah
6: yeah and it's more it's tricky the legal system is uh, from a criminal perspective is not incredibly well set up for a shit ton of things that are like bad and disgusting but maybe not individually up to the criminal standard um that and also these like it's these things are very, by a criminal standard, very difficult to prove. And it's, but like, it's why like I'm very much in the I, and kind of like to piggyback off what you guys were just talking about, it, I don't really know what Goodell is supposed to do. um, Does he get, he's not getting any credit
1: from the, not credit, but like the Molly Karams, Rachel Benettas, Michelle Beatles of the world are not giving him any time served over not having played last year granted it was Mm. with pay, but um like how let's say he did what he was accused of what's the appropriate amount of time that he should miss i don't know the right answer
0: yeah you're not going to please anybody with that answer i do think that commissioners have gotten themselves in trouble by trying to meet out punishments as opposed to just leaving it to the legal system, I think maybe it would not be satisfactory to many in media, but it's an easier standard to uphold. The standard of render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, uh, we will suspend people for breaking of our bylaws and, you know, gambling or whatever. Uh, But if it's something that's in the criminal justice realm, we're going to let the criminal justice system deal with that. I think that just would be an easier standard to uphold, even if a lot of deservingly punished people would fall through those cracks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you, you, Nick.
0: Thanks, Nick. Okay. Um, So, JF, try to wrap it up. I know we didn't talk about Mark Cuban and the Navs. I know Ryan's mad about that. But, you know, we've we've had some great combos.
1: So, JF, what's up? I had to, like, go and look up, like,
4: Ossery and what he did again. <laughs> but
0: I go know. Ahead. Go I know. Hey, we can talk next <laughs> week. I don't think it's going away. But J. Yeah. yeah,
4: is the Mark Cuban issue in the top ninety thousand uh, issues in sports media, Ryan? Well, no, I, but it's, that is interesting, reach, isn't it? In,
1: until until Ethan texted that we were going to talk about it, it had oh, not reached my line.
0: I feel bad. I, I really, I really uh, pulled <laughs> no okay, joke, on Ryan. Okay. But that that's the reason I brought the issue up is that we're all in on going after Robert Sarver, but it's hear no evil, speak no evil, see no evil on Mark Cuban. And that seems a little bit arbitrary to me anyway.
4: Absolutely. And it definitely has to do with, you know, his, uh, probably political leanings and, and being an ally in, in many of these, uh, uh, you know, just being very present in media.
0: I think, uh, somebody who I guess, to his credit, is usually willing to jump on and, and, and have it out and argue. Although I will say, when I want to talk NBA ratings, he did not jump at the chance. But anyway.
4: <laughs> and she, and uh, you know, and to his credit, uh, talking to who, who was the, the woman, making um, uh, Kelly. Uh, <clears throat>
0: oh, she dominated him.
4: She actually dominated, but I give him, you know, credit for having the courage to appear on a, her show and try to address some of the hypocrisies that the NBA uh, is, you know, to, dealing in. Um, but I really wanted to ask. I want to make one comment on the Leah Thomas thing. Uh, really, to Yosarian's point of, you know, having sympathy for her, uh, I don't have that sympathy just because she really made the choice uh, to compete as a trans woman in the women's division rather than the men's division, knowing very well that, you know, she had all the physical gifts that you guys have mentioned that she would dominate. And I think it was, uh, somebody on Twitter had uh, retweeted this doctor who posted a graph of the lap times. And it was very clear, you know, he was subtweeting basically saying, uh, the performance by lap, uh, You know, she was sandbagging like the performance would go down, would decline throughout the race and then pop up at the end. Hers is very flat. Obviously, you know, she had a lot of reserves uh, in the tank. But, uh, you know, it's just and it's just so utterly bizarre to me uh, that she wants to be portrayed as the victim in this situation when she is the victimizer to the other women who are competing you know, in the sport. (sighs) And I really wonder if we're going to see a book from, like, in three, four, five years from now, written by Will Thomas uh, about this experience. Him, mm-hmm. you know, putting one over on America, uh, you know, testing the limits of this and, and not really transitioning. Because I don't think he's actually had an operation, right, to... No, I no, has no, been no No, there
1: have been complaints from anonymous teammates that we had Thomas walks around... The locker room with her penis hanging out. So that I is quite a be, sentence.
4: It's it's yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. And I would say it's you know a non-zero probability that you know maybe uh, she or he comes uh, comes out as Will Thomas and writes a book about his experience. Uh, kind of cashing in on this. I, I would. Be, uh, i would be
0: surprised. I, I would be surprised, but I would also read that book. That that sounds like a
1: fascinating
0: like a fascinating book. I mean, I. Yeah,
1: I mean the, I, I, I think it's more likely that she becomes like an MSNBC contributor.
4: But but I, think, but I think you guys were absolutely right about her not, you know, this not kind of resonating in the general public because uh, you know, basically the parents, right? You know, I yeah. ESPN pushing a lot of women's sports, pro sports on to its audience uh, you know, that's, you know, you know, conservatives will recoil to that because that's not what they want. But it's it's pro sports. This is amateur sports, right? This is dealing with, you mm. know, a sport that we don't want spectate. But certainly anyone with a daughter like, you know, the girl dad, uh, you know, can be in that position and understand you know, what their child would be going through. Like, I would, Bill Simmons often talks about his daughter playing soccer. Uh, and I can't imagine, like, you know, her team losing to a team with, you know, trans women on it or, you know, her getting cut by a team because of a trans woman or something. Right. This would have been
1: an unreal segment on like a 2006 podcast with Simmons
4: and Corolla. Oh, yes. my God. I, and I think even now, because you know Simmons is pretty, you know, passionate about you know his daughter's soccer, you know, from his podcasting, right? So uh, he's smart enough
1: now to stay away from it, though.
4: Yes, absolutely. absolutely.
1: He, he he's been scared off, and and
4: he's been, yeah, scared, been scared off from. just like I'm scared off of the conversation because I want to be invited back on the podcast. And just, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I'm it's i nightmare over here. About uh, that too, I wanted to you know, I was surprised to see you on it. Uh, mm. You, you said you had more sympathy for Rich Paul, too, at the beginning of it. I didn't really understand why. You, you kind of mentioned that you're getting his uh, kind of perspective.
0: No, it, it wasn't sympathy were- necessarily. I understand the Lone Sharks argument. Uh, <laughs> it's what I'm saying. Of Hey, we made it rain. You wanted Anthony Davis? We got you, Anthony Davis. I, I think what I'm saying uh, when I talk about that is, is as uh, predatory as clutch can be, Genie Bus is a bad owner, and the Lakers are a badly run organization and They were momentarily better for having clutch run things uh than when they were running things, but obviously it's not a
4: sustainable dynamic but still, it was uh really LeBron's uh, decision making that led them into the position they're in right now, of course, yeah. it's good with the bad, but uh I don't think them uh you know taking no responsibility for this is you know a good look or you know something to no they they
0: clearly helped run the situation to the ground but they did get that bubble championship whatever you think of a bubble championship and they did get anthony davis which was quite the coup as ugly as the whole process was but yeah i mean i maybe i was a little too sympathetic i i don't know you do a You do a hit like that and you're talking extemporaneously and there are always a million things and you look back and you go like, oh, I should have phrased it this way or I should have phrased it that way. Wait a second. I'm giving up the game. I believe everything I say in the moment and it (laughs) comes with the authority of God. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, it's a huge,
4: huge audience. I'm sure there was a little bit of nerves going uh, through you. Uh, and I'll say, I know it's late, so I'll drop off with just this. Where do you think ESPN is going to move forward with this kind of like DeSantis issue? Do you think they'll continue to play this game uh, mm. you know, for years to come? Or, you know, is this a one-off? Um, uh, guys? I don't, it, it, it kind of depends on maybe how
0: big a force he is in politics because... The The smart money appears to be on Trump winning the nomination. Ugh, that just sounds like such a boring, depressing Trump versus Biden again. So boring. But anyway,
1: uh, it's not bad. It's not. Point. It's going to be even worse. It's going to be Trump versus Hillary. Oh, Jesus. Uh,
0: but so anyway, Um, so the smart money is on Trump winning that nomination. Uh, but let's say... DeSantis uh, seems to be stronger, it seems like DeSantis is going to win, then I do think that DeSantis becomes this bigger target because the people within ESPN who are ideologically predisposed to treat politics as a form of religion are not going to stay quiet about it and they're going to attack the big bad thing. Um, So that's, I guess, how I see it playing out. And I think perhaps this is the first salvo because- it does seem like the cultural issues are the issues that people care most about, um, you know, especially within institutions that have a lot of liberal people. Um, And those are issues that DeSantis doesn't shy away from.
1: So what do you think, Ryan? Yeah. I I don't see how it stops. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I I don't see. They wanted to stop
1: it. They tried to stop it two or three years ago. And it's sprouted up again. I think that they've just. Um, they can say they don't want it all they want. They have. They if they were going to stop it, they would have. And they're not going to.
0: Yeah. So we'll take the last question. Poor Andy has been waiting. Maybe he's here. Maybe he Maybe he's dropped off. Maybe he can unmute himself. I don't know. He's got an animated avatar of some sort. It's probably a cultural product that everybody else recognizes that I don't. And I'm revealing my ignorance. Andy, Andy, are you there? Are you there, Andy? Well, if Andy's not there, it does allow us to briefly, briefly get a take from you, Ryan. Do you have one take on the Cuban situation since you were forced to read up on it?
1: It seems, well, Okay, so you have to assume that the um, allegations against his chief of staff, Luton, are true. Um, but if they're true, but, and by the way, Cuban was willing to, so do you the, want to, the, the, the
0: accusation to made by Donnie Nelson's representation is that his nephew, uh, I believe was speaking to, to a Cuban's right-hand man, uh, Luton and Luton effectively sexually propositioned him or was inappropriate in some fashion.
1: Um, I, it said if the, the allegations went not just from like harassment to abuse. So whatever yeah. I but it was like very vague, so we don't know what it was. But um I guess there so there was a gulf in the settlement offers where alleged the Mavs say Donnie Nelson wanted a hundred million. Donnie Nelson says the Mavs offered fifty-two million, which by the way, I can't fathom ever being in a position where I turned down a $52 million settlement, but that's what the Gulf was. And so this is now the second time in four years that, um, a major, like, you know, right-hand figure of Cuban has been accused of sexual malfeasance. Um, it it happened with their, with the team CEO, Usury. those allegations came out in 2018, but I guess, he left the organization very murkily in 2015, which like kind of makes you wonder how much they knew about all this stuff what? at the time. And what? it it was weird because Cuban had like just bragged about how he knew everything that was going on in the Mavs organization. Like he's like, "Yeah, he, he I don't I think he was talking about like Sterling or something, where he was saying like nothing could happen in the Mavs auction. then." Yeah this like groundbreaking SI expose comes out where actually it was happening
0: under his watch. I I will um, say something. I got to be careful here. Um, When that expose happened, a lot of people in NBA media reacted by going, I expected a lot more (laughs) just based on, based on the things you hear
1: based on the things you hear out of there. Um, and... this
0: yeah. I'm,
1: I, don't, I might not even be saying his name right, but this Ussery guy was like a big executive. Um, yeah. Like, you know, pals with Wilbon and stuff. And he, um, he... He had, like, you know, just been, like, talking, like, to, like, female subordinates about being in gangbangs and stuff. And so... It it was, it was odd, but this is now like the second time where someone in Cuban's inner inner circle is basically accused of sociopathy. Yeah. Yeah. And so what it's like, interesting to think about, and to be clear, like, you know, lots of people can get tricked by sociopaths. Sociopaths are very talented at, you know, currying favor with the right people well, punishing the others. and But it, it it does beg the question, what about him, presuming all of these things are true, which we don't know that they are or aren't, and we probably never will, kind of like the Watson situation, where it's just never going to be plainly adjudicated to us in terms of what did or didn't happen. Yeah. But um, what about Cuban attracts these sociopaths to rise into his inner circle.
0: Well, he is uh, the guy in a show called shark tank where he's looking for sharks uh, to give money to. So maybe he likes uh shark like uh, personalities and thinks that they get the job done. It does seem like the people he often hires, aren't the nicest people. I'll say freely. Donnie Nelson, not known to be the worst guy in the world, but also not known to be the best either. Um, as far as, his reputation, and um, I he do, must be
1: sure he's right to turn down a fifty-two million dollars settlement.
0: I mean, if that's the case, I do wonder too. Considering how, what do we even call him? Emasculated, he was in the organization where he wasn't making the decisions, but still was theoretically running it. You, you have to wonder if he was there for so long because he knew where a lot of bodies were buried, and that's why it took so long. To push him out of there, and um, there are weird dynamics all the way up and down that organization. The way th- there was an ugly. The NBA divorce. statement
1: was so weird, too. Did you? Can we go into that real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt again, but sure, I think you, you. It was you know, something I once like- I once
0: uh, took a class in college, and these were obviously pre Great Awakening times, and they said culturally, as far as how communication goes that Ashkenazi Jews as a social norm interrupt each other and other cultures do not, but it is okay. uh, (laughs) In the Ashkenazi Jewish culture, you're just supposed to interrupt and it's a competitive conversation. So just, you know, it's a little nugget for everybody, but you were saying.
1: So um, Mike Bass gave a statement saying that the Mavs, like, you know, double secret probation from the last thing that we were talking about ended at the end of 2021 so therefore this <laughs> because we're two and a half or three months into 2022 uh <laughs> this doesn't this wouldn't have like violated their double secret probation oh but they'll monitor it nonetheless
0: <laughs> oh yeah a lot of monitoring happening yeah i i will say we're trying very hard not to get sued here let's say there's a hypothetical NBA team that hypothetically uh, had team employees uh, have sex with players as part of the allure of playing there. And I'm just saying, like, let's say hypothetically such a team was known for that. And it was very surprising when the Me Too, uh, the Me Too cascade occurred that that team's business practices were not revealed to the world, let's say. I mean, these are all hypotheticals that I'm just throwing out there. For no reason at all, Ryan. No reason at all. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, and with that, uh, great talk. Ryan, you got anything to plug, man? On way uh, out?
1: Just read my stuff at the post and pray I make it through the great unboxing
0: of oh. our new house. Oh, come on. You showed me what that house looks like. I saw the square footage you can get. In the Midwest versus where I live. I do not feel badly for you
1: at all. Uh, Thank you for having me on. I I really appreciate the platform.
0: Anytime, man. You take care.
1: See everybody. Bye, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening.